0: The eSoccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. For grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland.
1: Turn the world around. Shut the show. Down.
2: All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Women's World Cup podcast. Raf Giallo here. You can watch every World Cup match live on RT television and the RT player all the way to the final. And for today's matches, the highlight show is at 8.30pm tonight on RT2 and the RT player. And while we're recording here, uh, Spain-Costa Rica is well into the second half with Spain in control. And I'm joined today by RT Sport Online's Anthony Pine, who's just got back to Brisbane. Um, I know you said the trip over was okay. How was the trip back?
3: Yeah, all good, all good, Raf. Um After you know a pretty intense night last night, historic occasion. It felt like a historic occasion being there. You know, it was it was uh, the, the Accor Stadium is an incredible arena, and um, it was it was filled with seventy five thousand fans. A lot of those fans were Irish, and they made a great racket. Um, but in fairness, so did the Aussies. And as we know, unfortunately, Ireland lost. But um, it was a what a way to to start a World Cup for Ireland. Your first ever World Cup match. It was it was an occasion, Raph. It really was a, a proper occasion. Uh, it was a privilege to be there and, you know, the dust has settled now and we're sort of, you know, as as always in, in the tournament cycle, you're always looking forward, you know, the next game will we'll come around very quickly. So we will meet Vera Powell tomorrow uh, and a few of the players at the team hotel for a little bit of a chat again and a debrief and then, you know, look forward to, to Canada, which is uh, a must not lose uh, game. I thought last night it was going to be... Must win the way things were shaping up, but as I'm, I'm sure you'll touch on in a bit, um, that game now, uh, is just must not lose, get a point, and you will take it into the last game against Nigeria with a chance of getting into the last 16. And for me, Raf, that's that's all I wanted out of this team. You know, I felt that if they could just take it to the last game where they were still in with a sniff of progressing, uh, that'd be great, you know, just, just so it wouldn't sort of fizzle out after the two games. So hopefully, they can dig out something, uh, points. I you mean, know, three would obviously be brilliant, but you know, draw. On Wednesday, and then see what happens in that last match. Yeah, and that's Wednesday
2: one o'clock our time, Irish time against Canada in Perth. Now, the logistics. Obviously, you were in Sydney for the game yesterday. You said in the in the Accor Stadium back in Brisbane today. So, for the team, logistically, what does the roadmap look like between now and uh, Wednesday at
3: one o'clock? So the team uh, flew out. Actually, they just flew ahead of us. We, we saw them in the airport getting onto their sort of flight. So uh, they flew back into Brisbane. Uh, earlier today, uh, sort of they probably would have got here about three p.m. local time. Um, they do some media. Some of them do a little bit of media in the morning, but they have the day off so they can sort of relax and, and meet up, up with maybe some friends and family need to know. And then they fly to Perth uh, on Sunday. Um, I think the train Sunday evening. Um, and then you know again Monday and Tuesday and then match day on Wednesday. So. Um, yeah, back to base for a pit stop, and then back over that. That flight to Perth is about five hours. It's a, it's a chunky, it's a chunky enough flight, you know. It? It's a lot of travelling, really. Like it's two hours Brisbane to Sydney, and then another five hours for them over to Perth, um, where they will tune up for another massive game against the Canadians. Yeah, and one of the takeaways, other than the fact that Ireland gave a good account
2: of themselves against the, the host nation or the co-host nation, um Australia, albeit without Sam Kerr, but still some quality players in that Australian team, the uh the issue of the plan B was something that has come up and something you you were talking about in the build-up to this World Cup in terms of if Ireland go behind, what happens? And obviously that scenario happened in terms of the penalty, uh conceded by Marisha Shiva and then um converted by Catley and Ireland in that on that occasion they didn't bring on Amber Barrett but they put Louise Quinn um up front which is a tactic you see sometimes major teams doing I remember Gerard Piquet for some of the great Barcelona teams over the last while would often go up and bring a bit of aerial presence so it's something Karen Duggan uh, touched on in studio after the game and I'll get your thoughts about uh, that after
0: Will Amber Barrett feel hard done by not coming off the bench? Yeah yes. of course I mean yes. she was
1: warming up there and this tactic of putting Louise up front, it's not really a tactic, you know, it's it's a hope more than anything. Um, and would was, that
0: have been the plan B, like all along? Would they have been aware of that being the plan?
1: Yeah, and I'm sure they would have and most defenders, especially the likes of Alana Kennedy, like she's big and strong, she won't mind coming up against a physical challenge like that. It, for me, it's not really a, a plan B. We came out and started playing when we went to goal down. There has to be some point where we are a bit braver that we start playing before that. We we can't always defend on a nil-nil or or something like that to go and get a result. We have to be able to break out of that mould and take the game to a team and that can't be taking your most solid centre back and Mm. and throwing her up front. Now, obviously she did well and we started pinging long balls, but we played with a bit more confidence and stuff about us when Abby and Lucy came on and I'd, I'd love us to do that without having the the nudge of going the goal down and just Mm. being a little bit braver. Obviously, we're playing against higher-ranked teams. You can't do that the whole time, but maybe against the likes of Nigeria, we can see a bit more of that because we did show in glimpses that we do have a little bit about us and we can be a threat.
2: All right, so that is Karen Duggan on the issue of the plan B and just how Ireland um, looked to switch things up late on as they were chasing the game against Australia. And, of course, that meant Louise Quinn moving up from centre-back up to um, centre-forward. And as I said um, before we uh, played the clip, Anthony, this is something you had raised um, multiple times um, in the build-up to that opening game. And, again, Canada are another higher-ranked opponent and as we, we'll talk about a little bit later on, they drew with uh, Nigeria nil all. But again, as a higher ranked opponent, there, there is a chance that they will go in front against Ireland. And there doesn't, you know, there doesn't seem to be an answer as of yet uh, in terms of the personnel on the bench who is going to come in and say, replace Kira Caruso up front and, you know, fill in that role
3: other than say, bringing a centre back up front. Well, and and that would raise questions about the squad selection. Like again, Leanne Kiernan not being in that squad, I, I felt that was um, it's not. I thought that was a wrong call. I think she should be in the squad because um, she provides something different. Like she's a player that I don't think Leanne Kiernan will be very well suited to playing on her own up front in this Ireland team because just physically, you know, she she might struggle to to come up against two or three center halves and to, to make the ball stick and and chase and chase in the way the crew and say Heather Payne did before her. But if you're going to play two up front at some point in a match, she's perfect, you know, she, even if it was with Louise Quinn, because she's so good in and around the box, you know, if you want the type player, you want a chance to drop to. And this is the thing, like, when you look at Ireland, it is a bit like-for-like. Like, for like I, I agree, I think Amber Barber probably should have come on for Carusa in the last 20 minutes last night. Um, But that's that's a like-for-like like replacement. And it is just a little bit one-dimensional with Ireland. I mean, the, the plan the The setup with powers is, is, you know, we can all see it now. It's very well defined. Um, you know, it's 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 fairly straightforward, but it, they're extremely well drilled. Like they do it fairly well. Teams hate playing against it. You know, Australia did not enjoy that game last night at all. And even when they went one nil up, Ireland didn't. They didn't break from the plan. Australia went one nil up. I think around the fifty first minute. So you might think, Grant, we got the first goal. They'll have to come out, and we can kill them off. It didn't happen. Uh, and it won't happen because that's not what Ireland do. What they what they try to do against these higher na- uh, ranked teams is just to hold on as long as they possibly can and not get bet. And if they nick a goal on the break, added bonus. And uh, the, the issue that I think they're having is that it's be- like how many times have they actually nicked a goal on the break? Like they did it in Sweden. Uh, They did it in Finland. Uh, although albeit you would say Finland are not of the calibre of you know the likes of Australia and uh, and Canada. Um, but it's 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 a hard way to play. Like it's a hard way to play. They were very deep. Now the first half was an absolute, you know, it wasn't a spectacle. It was it was a poor game, but that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Ireland aren't there to entertain, they were there to try and dig out results. But as I said, he just he just felt like I don't I just don't think it's a coincidence that they're giving up the tight goals that they are. Um, like the goal against France, Heather Payne miscued a clearance and it dropped to the French player and she put it in the net. Uh, last night, Marissa uh clumsy, challenging box, gives away a penalty against the USA. I think the first goal and the first friendly, uh, I actually think it might have been Shiva as well. She didn't react quick enough to close uh, a USA player down. Um, she had a strike and goal. Courtney Bron- Brosnan was caught out of position. So... They're all happening in and around the same period of the game, between minutes 45 and 55. And I, I just think it's because being camped in your own box and playing that team for a long, long chunk of time dramatically increases the chance of somebody switching off, making a mistake, you know, at a cost of air. And, and the problem is that when you do that, and all of your team are in and around your own box, the law of averages say that, that a mistake in that part of the pitch is going to give up a really good chance. So, you know, to do it and to do it, you have to be perfect. You have to you basically have to be perfect. I know Vera Powell has spoken about Cossier's and we have to wipe out the mistakes. They're only making like one or two mistakes per game. That's you know, but it's just where are they making those mistakes in and around their own penalty area because they're so deep. So I just think if you know, I don't I don't expect them to become this expansive, free-flowing football team. They're, they're never going to be that. And it, it wouldn't be wise to do that. You know, you have to cut your cloth to fit as well. But I just think a little just a little higher up the pitch, just back yourself a little more. I thought Lucy Quinn, I, I think Lucy Quinn actually gave herself a real chance of starting um, uh, in place of Sinead Farley on Wednesday. I thought she did really well when she came on. Like she, she passed the ball well and she played through the thirds. Um, But part of that was that when she came on the pitch, Ireland had more players higher up, up the field. Like So you have to have players to pass to as well in those positions. On fairness to Farley, a lot of the time she was getting the ball deep inside her own half. And the only player in green ahead of her was was Kira Caruso so you know look we'll see I I don't expect any dramatic tweak or change here on Wednesday I I think uh, it will be very pretty short odds on a draw on a nil nil draw with Canada who um, are very very good defensively but definitely they don't have the same fluidity going forward that Australia do even without Sam Kerr I mean as you you say there correctly Raf you know Ford, uh, Mary Fowler, Rasso, uh, Courtney Vine. These are really dangerous, quick, clever players. I, I Canada don't have that abundance in attack, Um, but they're very hard to break down. So, I mean, look, they, this could be a complete stalemate. That would be okay by us because, as I said, it'd be great to take it to that, that last game. But, it's yeah, just generally speaking, you would like Ireland to just, just be a little more, a little braver in terms of where they're positioned on the pitch. I just think they're a little deep at the minute.
2: Yeah, uh, before we touch on Canada, just in terms of their their draw against uh, Nigeria, which was uh, in the early hours here. Obviously, it was uh, sort of around uh, midday um your time. But um Sarah Walsh, the head of Women's Football Women's World Cup Legacy and Inclusion for Football Australia, was speaking to Samantha Libreri, um after Australia's one 0 win over Ireland. And now she's won seventy caps for Australia between two thousand and four and twenty twelve. Um, and also played at the 2007 World Cup and is also an Olympian. So let's listen to that interview.
0: Um, Sarah, talk to me about last night's match. Um, It was a huge occasion for Ireland making our World Cup debut, but it was a huge occasion for the Matildas as well. Why was that? Yeah,
4: well, um, we've obviously uh, been waiting three years for this moment. We've been working very hard off the pitch to make sure that we not only fill stadiums, but we bring the community on the journey and, you know, to have four-point you know, over just under five million people watching on Channel Seven. Uh, we're starting to really hit mainstream with this team, and um, to, honestly, I was just super happy that we come away with the three points because ultimately, in, in you know, tournament football, that's
0: what it's about. It was an emotional night for for Ireland, but it was also an emotional night for the Matildas.
4: Yeah, I mean, we we always knew that, that Ireland were going to actually, I believe, we're going to be our toughest match um, because of the way in which they play. They've got an amazing coach who has really given them good structure. They've got McCabe, who is, I think, one of the best players in the world. She was versatile for Ireland yesterday, beautiful left foot. I thought her and uh, Katrina Gory were the best on the pitch. But, um, you know, we always knew that Ireland were going to be coming out really tough Um and really not allowing us to play the way we want to play, and that's a really smart tactic. Um, I think that they, they balanced the the line around hard and tough and dangerous really well. I thought it was was pretty good um, across the board.
0: How much did Sam Kerr's absence affect the game and the team? Yeah, it was
4: probably a question for Ireland because I think they found out when the match sheet uh, was was come out. And I think in 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 the in world football, particularly in tournaments, that you got to hold your cards close. And I've been as a player, I've been on the wrong end of that, reading a team sheet that you'd planned for. You know, to, to play against a particular player and things change. I think that they're professionals and you can always adjust, but even if it just distracted them for two minutes, um, I thought that was good. But obviously we'd love to get Sam Kerr back. Um, she's obviously our captain and, and one of our best players, but I thought that we had enough depth last night, obviously, to get the job done, and we it was always going to be a tight
0: match. And the, the news broke quite late about Sam Kerr. That was deliberate on the part of the Matildas, was it? Yeah, well, I think... Um, there was still a lot to work through the night before,
4: but, um, you know, game day, There's, it's not in our interest to have that information out. Um, there's, there's, It's in no-one's interest other than Australia's to, to hold that starting 11 as long as you can because um, teams have done all their preparation at that point. There's not much. You can change pre-warm-up. And so, yes, I think it was the right decision.
0: What was your assessment of the Ireland's team performance?
4: Oh, fantastic. Uh, play to their strengths. They were tough off the ball. They challenged. Um, I thought they, they were absolutely resolute in defence. Uh, we always knew that we were going to have to break them down. Um, and I've always actually said, I've watched a lot of their matches, their last 10 matches, and they, they rarely lose by more than one or two. Um, they might not win games, but you're not going to score a flurry of goals against them. And that makes it difficult for our team because we like to score lots of goals, have it free-flowing. Even the USA, they had some good results. They lost, but they were close. So I knew, we all knew that that was going to be the similar game. And I think Nigeria and Canada know as well. Um, and so when you're chasing points in the second and third match, it's going to make it very interesting. Um, but I do think they'll go through um, with all due respect to Nigeria and Canada. They both like to play free-flowing games, and it is not going to be the case with Ireland. Ireland know who they are, and they know how to play that way. What did you all make of Katie McCabe? Oh, she is, she is a very quality player, um, hard worker. I mean, she's, she's equal parts hard working, you know, technical. She's a visionary. She's a leader in that team. Honestly, I think... Any national team would absolutely love to have her and it's quite great because you can build a team around her and I think Ireland have very much done that. She's, you know, it, it's, it's obvious that you're going to play down the left but she still manages to, to break through and create really dangerous moments for Australia and I think
0: she's going to be very dangerous going forward for Ireland. You know this team have come from a place where five years ago they were given back their tracksuits and toilets um, to the Federation and, and they asked for better treatment and um, they've come on, on a long journey. It's, it's a story replicated across women's football for many of the teams here talk to me about the progress of the Matildas and what other um, federations can learn from what you've done over the past decade or so.
4: Yeah I think um, yeah, there's been a lot of change over the years and, and a, and a little, really good conversation about the role of a federation also the leagues at the moment in creating good paying conditions for players and we obviously have uh, gender uh, uh, equity with our soccerers and Matildas now back in 2019 that was negotiated and we've moved on from then and worked out how we actually create uh, an environment for the Matildas that meets the needs of these women as individuals and as a collective separate to the Socceroos and that's you know sometimes that looks different whether it's a uh, parental policy and we are continually looking to evolve both of our national teams and sometimes that looks different and that's what I love about Uh, you know the potential for women's sport it it shouldn't be we shouldn't be adopting what we do on the men's and women's Um, from a principal point of view it should always be equity Um, so I think there's a lot to learn there's a lot of countries that have still got a long way to go Um, we're pleased to see that FIFA are starting to tag funding particularly for prize money and player payments uh, which is a really good thing uh, but we're super proud of our players and the, and the advocacy that they take on globally and, and will always back our players.
0: Is it frustrating to see so many teams still struggling for, for those kind of equality for terms and conditions in a tournament? And, and also, do you think that this tournament is a turning point for the women's game?
4: Well, I think I'll touch on your last question. I think this is a turning point for uh, how we're moving beyond talking about that women's football there's you know the economics aren't there. This is a this is going to be the tournament where we commercialise women's football. Not only did we break even, FIFA break even in, in delivering it, that we actually woke up not only New Zealand and Australia and the region of OFC and AFC, but all parts of the world. The conversations around broadcast and FIFA holding strong around not underselling rights. We're starting to have commercial conversations and so it makes me very proud that we're hosts of, of the tournament that did that. It'll be the biggest, it'll be 1.5 attending, 1.5 million. We're expecting 2 billion to watch it. Um, this this sleeping giant has woken up and, um, you know, I was part of the 2007 World Cup where it was about getting football on the pitch and getting the countries, you know, to, to buy in and we've just moved so, fur- so far beyond that. Um, to your first question, yeah, I, I think that the reality is a lot of confederations and, and part regions of the the globe um as it turns out, you know, they're, they're underdeveloped in terms of investment and, you know, um, the way in which they've built muscle around their women's teams and I think we've got a long way to go and I know FIFA are watching that very closely, hence why they're starting to create mechanisms like tagging funding um, to
0: create these good behaviours in parts of the world. Finally, the Matildas are the host nation. There's an awful lot of pressure on you in this tournament. Do you think they can go all the way? Well, I
4: think they're, they're just going to take one game at a time and that's, that's probably the, the way in which they should. I, I know that they very much weren't looking past Ireland last night and our entire three-year preparation was very much based around that. So now they'll be looking to Nigeria and they'll have a game plan for that. So.
2: All right, so that is Sarah Walsh of Football Australia, the head of Women's Football, Women's World Cup Legacy and Inclusion, just on the Australian perspective on that uh, game yesterday in Sydney but obviously in Melbourne Nigeria and Canada Canada n- drew nil all and as you as you mentioned you know Canada maybe aren't the most fluid but they did have a opportunity from the penalty spot with their legendary great the 40 year old uh, Christine Sinclair but it was well saved by Chimaka Nadozi and you know as you said you know a a stalemate between Ireland and Canada probably you know would be would be welcome just with the way results have fallen so far in that first round of games but you know with Nigeria last as well it's uh the implications are the implications were pretty good I think it may be as you probably said you know that result uh between the Canadians and Nigerians is probably as good as we uh, could have hoped for
3: well no it, it is rough because well obviously from our perspective now look Unless Nigeria went and bet Australia, you know, but I don't think that's likely, regardless of today. And and Australia, Nigeria, by the way, are, are a good side. We always felt that they were the probably the strongest fourth seed that Ireland could have drawn, and they're a decent outfit. I know they've had their issues, off the field issues coming into all this, and the prep hasn't been ideal by any means. But you know that they are a decent team, so they're going to be tricky for all three teams in this group. But what what it does is that. Um, Now, if Ireland can get a a draw against Canada, it means they go into that last game playing Nigeria, knowing that they get a win. Um, You know that they're out with the group probably, um, because Canada have to play Australia. Um, Now, Australia at that point should have Sam Kerr back from the calf injury that ruled her out of uh, the game on Thursday night against Ireland. Uh, They're, you know, co-host home soil. You know, I, I I can't. They're obviously not going to go absolutely full throttle in the way that they would if they had to win to qualify. You'd think they'd be qualified by then, but they're still, you know, they still going to be a tough test for Canada in that match. Um, and we'd have a chance. We'd have a chance. Uh, now we've a huge game to come before any of that. You know, Wednesday, the, that that game against uh, Canada in Perth, but um it's it's a bit of a pick-me-up you know i think it was it's a little bit of a lift after last because it was you know it was just disappointing for people after all the build-up that lengthy build-up and the emotion around it and everything you know it's, nobody wants to lose a, a game so uh, i think people were a little bit down about it um but that result was a kind of well you know this this group isn't isn't done by any means you know this isn't going to be a two-horse race necessarily um yeah cer- certainly puts the, it, certainly puts the pressure on canada
2: um, given as it you said does, uh, their last game yeah. is against the against the Australians
3: it does and you know they, they'll they have looked at the Ireland match last night and thought oh god look, you could, we could do without playing these you know like, they're uh, you know for all like, we're, we're picking and we're analysing and watching Ireland all the time and we get hung up sometimes and talking about what they should be doing better and all that but uh, they're they're not a nice team to play against. You know, p- teams don't enjoy that. And they won't be looking forward to this. They won't be looking forward to this. They, they've already slipped up now in the first. You no, know, that was there was huge relief around Australia last night getting that win. They knew that was a potential banana skin, uh, and then obviously with Sam Kerr being ruled out just before, that news broke just before kickoff and it just sucked the air out of the place, Raf. You know, it's the, the Australian media were, like, this isn't good. You know, all of a sudden uh, the dynamic shifted a little bit. Um, so they were massively relieved to get through that three points. You know, almost one foot out of that group now at this stage already, just to make that positive start. Whereas Canada don't have any wriggle room now, so there is increased pressure on them. Um, and hopefully Ireland can can uh, can make use of that. But again, like that's another reason why I think Ireland should be a little more like try and grab this game scruff the neck. Don't don't just hand the initiative over to Canada. You've seen we just watched them today. You know they're 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 not a powerhouse that are really daunting they're not a usa at this point in time they are obviously they're loaded with class and experience and all that we respect all that but um you know it's, this isn't a game where ireland should be going in just batting down the hatches and, and hoping for the best they should they should try and really put their, their best foot forward and take the game to them a little bit and, and ask some questions of them at the very least at the very least even just to help themselves defensively you know, the best way to defend a lot of times is actually just keep the ball, keep the ball away from your goalie. You know, it's so difficult for players to, to be constantly on the back foot for, you know, not 90 minutes. That's not what happens because Ireland had parts of the game last night where they did keep the ball and they were in the Australian half. But there are there, there's sort of 10-minute chunks, 15-minute chunks. That's a long time to be just defending in and around your own box. And again, like to, not to labour the point, but I think that's why we're seeing these kind of scrappy, scratchy goals. You know, you're going this a very long period of times where you have to be concentrating and clearing and getting the toe in. It only takes a little slip to miss time a tackle, miss a clearance, get a pass from yeah. it, and, you know, give up a soft goal. Yeah, because
2: as the principle goes, I think within the game, you know, if you let the ball do the work, it uh, you know, it it does you a favor. I
3: mean, look, listen, it's it's easier said than done. It's not that Ireland weren't trying to do it. They were trying to do it. And at times their passing was loose and and um they'll be disappointed with that. And that they you know, they do have to tighten some of that up as well. and uh, just just a little a little rush, like lack of composure at times. But uh, I think like it's a setup, you know, I, I think you want players like Sinead Farrelly playing like getting their head up in and like inside the opposition's half as opposed to 15 yards inside our own half and and you want her to have players to aim at you want her to have Heather Payne galloping down the right high up the pitch and you know Kate McKay the other side um when we have seen that and we have seen it you know even against the USA or we saw it a few times on the break um Ireland looked dangerous and we saw it last night when Abby Larkin came on you know she had a really bright cameo off the bench and and when she got beyond um the Australian left back um you know things happen so I just I I think I'd I'd like to see a bit more of that and um the thing is we we can see that they have the tools to do it as well you know so um we'll just have to wait and see how, how that plays out but um yeah, we'll see uh, on Wednesday night, uh, Ralph. But <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not expecting a revolution here. Uh, I think it could be, um, I think last Wednesday has the potential to make last night look like Liverpool, Newcastle, nineteen nineteen six, uh, four three thriller. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not gonna be one for the neutrals, but you know we won't care as, as if Harding Yeah, it results. is all about the results and that kind of leads me on before I let you go
2: to just the the wider results so far. So Group A has been kind of interesting, obviously with the other co-host also getting a narrow win and uh, New Zealand beating uh, Norway yesterday, and already you're looking at it with the swiss getting a victory today against the philippines although that would have been expected but norway already under a little bit of pressure because switzerland are a decent side i mean i think there was a little mm-hmm. bit of worry um from an irish point of view when the playoff um for the world cup was being done at the time that we could have run into them and they're they're pretty dangerous so norway have a bit of work yes. to do to
3: to get themselves back into this that, that's right and you know what though it's, it's brilliant for any tournament when the hosts um a co-host in this instance do well and when I want like particularly uh, unfancied teams you know like New Zealand like New Zealand they have been at World Cups so I think they've 15 World Cup games under their belt but they've lost them all lost, up until yesterday and that game was on in the media room uh, in Sydney at the Accor Stadium we were all kind of keeping one eye on it just before the news about Sam Kerr broke Um and that's yeah, it was it's 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 good for the tournament, I think. Cracksack group wide open for sure. You're, yeah, you're right. Course puts course it puts uh, pressure on Norway. Um the game like the the game at the minute is is in um it's evolving quickly and there's certain teams that are catching up quickly. You know, there's there's the potential for countries to catch up if, if they do the right things and invest in The right areas uh, of the game with real purpose. Um, we'll also probably see a couple of hammerings, you know. I think we'll see a few hammerings at some point because there's other countries who are just their development is is way back. Um, you know, Vietnam, I think, are playing the USA tomorrow. Uh, you were saying off air Raf. and yeah, that that that, that you know, look, that that type of game, th- there could be a few, there could be a few paces. but I think generally um you know the likes of new zealand um have, sh- have shown that they are capable of coming out swinging against these bigger teams and that's good that's good it's good for the game and it's good for the competition
2: yeah as you said uh vietnam up against the united states of so vietnam one of the uh one of the debutants coming into this tournament and then usa the most successful have never finished below third place um at the world cup so that's 2 2 a.m irish time i think that's gonna be fair to say the u.s are more than likely, ninety 99%, nine percent, ninety nine point nine nine percent chance of winning that and winning it handily as well. Zambia, you've talked about a fair bit. Obviously, haven't gone to the the friendly. They're up against Japan, which is the same group as uh, Spain, Costa Rica, and that one's kind of intriguing. Japan are former champions. Um, Sue Ronan picked them out as a potential dark horse, but as you said, Zambia are you know they're they're dangerous uh, from midfield going forward.
3: Yeah, no, that will be well worth a watch. Though. I mean, talking about Ireland and Canada like, looking like a nil-nil try from, from way out, and that looks like it's Zambia. Japan uh, could be a bit of a goal fest because uh, Zambia are just, just brilliant going forward. They're, they're such a good watch. Like such uh, talented, quick players and direct players. Barbara Banda is obviously the, the focal point, but Kunda, Rachel Kunda-Nanji was is uh, is quality as well, and they have good support and cast behind her um unfortunately they're they're not most organized defensively so you'd expect japan will will make hay there but um yeah that's that's a game that's well worth watching i think raf like, should be goals in that yeah and that's going to be 8 a.m irish time at the
2: wakato stadium and then england against haiti in brisbane will be half 10 that's group d but the other group d game probably is the the more intriguing game which is uh denmark against china Denmark, and that's at 1pm Irish time in Perth and Denmark, you know, they have some great players like Super Neil Harder um, would stand out, but actually they haven't been to too many World Cups, especially in this era, actually fewer World Cups than they should have been. And they're coming get coming up against China, who were, of course, finalists in uh, 1999 all the way back. But you saw them up close when they played Ireland. And again, they're one of the ranked number 14 in the world at the time that they were playing the irish team and again that's going to be kind of intriguing in a very well-balanced group where england are expected to top it
3: yeah and um, that that is a well-balanced group china, i like china when we like the game against ireland that was back in february it was a kind of like to be honest it i mean there was very few people at that game it, it was almost like a not officially behind closed doors because there was media present and there were, there were supporters allowed, but it was, you know, it was a very sparsely attended game uh, in the middle of a club season. And, you know, Vera Powell used it to, to give debuts to a few players that day. Ifa Manny made her debut, Marissa Shiva made her debut, and uh, DA Della Harp, a uh, fullback, uh, she she played her first game. So um, it wasn't a full blooded competitive international. Um, but there was enough you saw enough from china to see why they're they're ranked where they are um and they'll be difficult for everyone in that group they'll be tricky for england you know that they're they're strong like they're well organized and they're physically strong uh, and they've got some technically very nice players they looked a little bit uh suitless in the top third of times Ireland kind of locked them up pretty comfortably that day um but they they can play and they're hard to they're hard to break down themselves. So yeah, we'll keep, keep an eye on that group. There should be some some good battles in there. Yeah. So as I said, just to recap, USA
2: against Vietnam. That's uh, Group E, two a.m. Irish time, and then eight a.m. in Group C, Zambia, Japan. Group D then at uh, half ten uh, in the morning. It's England, Haiti, and then one p.m. in Group D. It's Denmark against China. But Anthony Pine, uh, thanks a million for your time. Obviously, the podcast will be back. Uh, tomorrow and then Sunday and daily um, as you're probably getting used to now and uh, yeah that is it for today's. Thanks Raph
1: A supporter
0: and a half likes shares comments and tweets.
3: Cadbury sponsors RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast.